Hi, everyone. Welcome to EGOs. I have a special guest today that I will be interviewing. His name is Dave Steele, and he is retired from uh, the oil industry. So I had an opportunity to work uh, with Dave when I was at Shell. Uh, gosh, that I think it was like 2013, 2014, and then 2015. So he's here today. Welcome, Dave. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Rochelle. <laughs> so to get started, I have uh, a question and um, several questions. So my first one is, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And when you were growing up, what influenced you the most? Okay. Uh, well, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm a child of the 50s and 60s. And uh, back then, Grand Rapids was uh, a medium-sized town, about 350,000. And uh, I think it was just an ideal environment to be a kid. Uh, the schools were all neighborhood schools. You could walk to school, uh, even through high school. And uh, once you had a bicycle, uh, I mean, you were free. And, mm -hmm. I, and I looked on the map, and I mean, we had a cruising radius of about 20 miles. We went, we just went everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, 20 miles took you well outside of Grand Rapids. So, I mean, we'd put the fishing poles on the back of the bike and bang, you were just gone. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that was also the time of baby boomers. So there were just lots of kids in the neighborhood. I mean, the Lamacuzas up the street, they had 11 kids just in their own family. Yeah. So it was always, uh, there was always uh, things to do. Uh, neighborhood, hide and go seek games and you name it. It was, uh, it was going on. It was, a, it was a good time to be a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, influences. Well, there was, uh, there was Superman, of course, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I always thought flying would be cool. Um, yeah. it, I, think, uh, I think probably my sixth grade teacher had a big impact on me. And yeah. for, uh, for about the next uh, 12 years or so after sixth grade, I, I thought I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I never really gave college much thought, um, at least in the near term, because uh, the Vietnam War was going on. Okay. And most young men of that uh, of, of that time thought about uh, how can I avoid the uh, the military infantry. Sure. And uh, so. Uh, rather than college, I enlisted in the Navy. Oh, wow. I didn't and, know that. And thought I would be uh, going into the Navy and not, and not college right away. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was on New Year's Eve. Uh, they had a process they called the lottery. Basically, they, they uh, took uh, birthdays out of a hat. And uh, whatever uh, number your uh, birthday was, was drawn out of the hat on, that was your lottery number. And that and that determined when you were going to be called for military service. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my number was 257. Okay. And, and so the odds were uh, I was never going to be called for military service. Okay. So then I had a choice. Do I, do I uh, uh, 
uh, still go into the Navy or do I think about college? And, and uh, I decided uh, to finally think about college, but it was a little late at that point. So I, I went to the uh, local community college and, uh, and then after two years transferred to Michigan State to uh, pursue uh, uh, an elementary ed teaching certificate. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. And uh, um, I did graduate from Michigan State, and I did my student teaching in um, in fourth and fifth, uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And I thought I had found my calling. I mean, it, mm -hmm. I had a wonderful time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The following year, I taught third grade. And I just, I just remember looking at these little kids coming into the classroom. And I mean, they were just precious little kids. And I thought, man, this is going to be a cakewalk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, boy, <laughs> those, I bet you were wrong. <laughs> and those, those kids, I mean, they ran all over me. And, yeah. uh, and so we kind of alternated between brief periods of peace and uh, organization and learning to complete chaos. Yeah. And, uh, and after the experience with third graders, I had to uh, kind of take a, a hard look at mm -hmm. what my talents were. And I decided they weren't elementary education. <laughs> so would you say that you were, you were just too soft that they just, they, they ran the classroom? <laughs> I, I think I was, I was just too immature at that time. Oh, really? And I, I mean, I just, I really didn't have any facility with kids. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it would probably be the same today. <laughs> <laughs> That's but hilarious. anyway, yeah. so, so I ended up uh, taking, a, taking a kind of an inventory of myself and I sold sporting goods for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, until I decided to uh, uh, to go into geology. Um, when I was when I was taking um, elementary ed, I had a I had my my physical geology teacher mm -hmm. was an ex Texaco guy, okay. and he he was a fantastic teacher. I always had an interest in in uh, kind of natural science in general. Uh, didn't know that I, if I had any aptitude in it, but I had an, an interest in it. And uh, his name was Fritz Bruder. And Fritz intermixed with, uh, with the curriculum. He would throw in stories about his experience uh, uh, as an oil finder in the Middle East. And mm -hmm. uh, I just really captivated my attention. I, I, think that had a, I think that had a big influence on me. So I decided to, what's oh, sorry. that? I was going to ask you, was he at the community college or was he at Michigan State? Uh, he was at the community college. He was. Okay. Yeah. So this is, That's so cool. I, this was just uh, kind of going back to uh, what my interests might be. Yeah. And uh, so geology kind of came up to the top, although in, in high school and certainly in elementary ed, I, I never demonstrated any facility for either <laughs> mathematics or science. <laughs> it was it was just it was still baking in your brain. It it hadn't come out yet. <laughs> it, it definitely had not come out yet. So uh, uh, so now, I mean, I decided I was going to go back for a second bachelor's degree sure. because I was oh, so wow. 
I was so deficient in, yeah. in virtually everything. Okay. Um, so a typical semester was uh, one math course. I started in remedial math. Yep. And uh, a, a chemistry or a physics uh, and a geology class, you know, mm -hmm. three, uh, three classes per semester. So it, uh, it it was taking me a long time to go to the through the uh, the curriculum. It took uh, three years, and and by the end of my second year, I still hadn't found anything in geology that really I, I connected with. Okay. It was all okay, yep. but it just it it just really that didn't come until my uh, until my third year and my my last semester and mm -hmm. i took a class with uh called um uh depositional systems mm -hmm. and uh with a teacher at uh, western michigan university his name was dave kenzie and dave was just a, a stellar teacher mm -hmm. and 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 his whole thing was uh, he, he loved teaching in the field mm -hmm. So, yes. I mean, you spent your you spent your uh, your weekdays in the classroom, and then just about every weekend, Dave was was taking you out someplace. Yeah, to, that to was look my experience it. too. That's kind yeah. of how I got hooked as well. That same oh. thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's it's so dynamic and it's so real. Yeah. And uh, so his his kind of his uh, philosophy of teaching was field based. And it was every rock tells a story, and it's a it's a geologist's job to figure out the story. Mm -hmm. So so typically, what you did, you went, you scoped out the outcrop, you, you looked at uh, at the the facies of the rocks, yep. and you made your interpretation based on the facies, and then um, you had to draw your interpretation of what was going on in the depositional on it in the depositional system on a, on a chalkboard and uh, then your peers uh, critiqued you on your interpretation. <laughs> so, my least favorite part usually. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they were gentle <laughs> and sometimes they were what you would expect for a bunch yeah. of college kids to be. So yeah. anyway, but that was, a, that was a very dynamic learning situation. And, sure. uh, and I ended up graduating uh, first in my class at oh, Western wow. Michigan. I sent out, uh, and I, man, I was ready to conquer the world. Yeah. So I sent out 100 job applications, and I got back 101 rejections. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there can identify with that. Me, yeah. personally, yes, yeah. I've been there. <laughs> so uh, Marathon Oil said no twice. Oh, wow. Just, yeah. to, just in case I didn't get the message the first time, they wanted to make sure they, they said no. And oh, well, that's and, how it uh, went from 100 to 101 is that you got two for the same application? Yeah. Oh, wow. What, basically what uh, Marathon did was uh, uh, they sent it from the oil company to the research center. And yeah. So, and so I got okay. one back from the oil company, one back from research. And... Uh, so it was like, huh, what's next? Mm -hmm. uh, so now I'm, I'm in my second career and, and still nothing's happening. <laughs> and uh, so I, you know, I made some phone calls uh, through people uh, who I knew from uh, church. Mm 
Okay. And they set up job interviews just to, so I could kind of find my way. Okay. And uh, I had a couple of job interviews in, in Houston and, and one guy in particular uh, at Conoco, he said, he said, Dave, what you're, this is not surprising. You have a bachelor's degree in geology and as an industry, mm-hmm. you applied mainly to majors and we hire masters and PhD candidates. Oh, I see. So, so he said, was... so he said, go back to school and, and yeah. get a master's or a PhD and, uh, and try it again. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I did. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to go to the University of Texas in Arlington or uh, in, in Austin. Uh, but um, just when I applied, they had already allocated all of their grant money. Okay. And their assistantship money. Uh, so I, I ended up going to University of Texas at Arlington. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was actually a very good thing. They had, a, they had a terrific staff and they had a mix. They had a staff that was mixed between uh, academics and uh, oil company people. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And how did you know to apply to a Texas school? Did you just have your mindset that you wanted to be in the oil industry? And if that's Texas was where you go if you if that's what you want to do. Yeah, that's a really good question, Rochelle. When I was at Western, I, I saw all of these really bright guys uh, and women coming out of uh, coming out of graduate school mm-hmm. uh, with with no job offers. Yeah, and and uh, especially at a time when the oil industry was really ramping up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and they shouldn't have had any problems at all, but it, it was just, you know, you, you kind of have to have some name recognition. You do, and connections. Yeah, yeah. and connections. That's yeah. right. It's and difficult. so uh, uh, Western was a terrific school, but they weren't really plugged in to, yes. to the oil industry. Yes. So, so I knew I wanted to be in Texas. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I, I moved on the 4th of July, <laughs> I moved to Texas. And, w- and when I got to, uh, uh, when I got to Arlington, uh, my student housing wasn't ready. So I, I took kind of a Michigan approach. I said, oh, that's okay. I'll just set up a tent. <laughs> I'll just set up a tent and, and uh, stay there for a couple of weeks until the, until the housing is ready. Well, I got my tent out and I tried to pound in a stake <laughs> in yeah. the ground. And I mean, it was just like a rock. Yeah, <laughs> and everything had prickers, and I, you know, it was it was horrible. And fortunately, one of my uh, one of my future professors uh, took pity on me, and he let me sleep in his house. <laughs> well, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's see where I, where am I in my story? Uh, I'm at uh, University of Texas at Arlington. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I, I had the notion that I was going to study Pennsylvanian classics, mm-hmm. just kind of west of Fort, Fort Worth. And uh, because I had some experience with, with Pennsylvanian deltas uh, around Michigan. Okay. And, 
and I thought that was just something I wanted to pursue. And, and my thesis professor said, <laughs> he said, son, there's no money in deltas. It's been done. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, okay, well, what do you suggest? Yeah. And he said, you're going to Mexico and you're going to study carbonates. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, so <laughs> I, ended up, that? <laughs> I ended up in, uh, in, in southern Mexico um, with, a, with a field partner and uh, working in the jungle. The logistics were horrible. Yeah. Um, and there was the whole language, communication, mm. uh, transportation, it just a huge issue. It, it, it's a good thing I was young. Yeah. Because I didn't know enough to say no. Yeah. And I didn't know enough to quit yet. Yes. And so we, we kind of slugged, th slugged through trying to uh, work up a, a stratigraphic section for the lower Cretaceous. It's uh, at least 3,000 meters thick mm -hmm. with, with hardly any marker beds in a fold and thrust belt. It, oh, it's God. like this, this is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you should never do that. You really yeah. shouldn't do it in the jungle. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what, I mean, I, in Mexico, like what part? You said southern in Chiapas. Mexico. In Chiapas. Okay. Yeah. 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 Close to the uh, Guatemala border. Okay. Gotcha. And uh, so a lot of our field localities were actually uh, people's cornfields. Okay. Because they would. Uh, uh, they would burn the mountainside and then actually use the micro karst uh, mm -hmm. sinkholes to yep. plant their corn in. Oh, okay. And so even yeah. though you were going through a cornfield, it was like almost 100% exposure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we, we persevered, ended up with a thesis and, um, and um, uh, it, be, because the uh, the school had connections to the oil industry, and uh, and uh, a, an upcycle was on when I graduated, I, I had lots of opportunities, oh, and cool. and I chose Shell because uh, at the time they had a sterling reputation, sure. and uh, um, Shell research uh, was one of the leaders of the industry, both in terms of uh, research and also education mm -hmm. so it was a great place to go to learn yes and uh and and the management was was excellent so so that's uh, i decided I, I wanted to work for shell and um and that's where i i got a job and i spent uh, the next 33 years there mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh shell was <clears throat> shell was a fantastic company uh, to work for, absolutely no regrets. I was hired uh, through the uh, Rocky Mountain Division. And um, and as I was working up my, in the last weeks of my, my thesis, uh, I, got a, I got a phone call from, from a shell manager and he said, uh, Mr. Steele, would you consider uh, posting in research rather than exploration? Mm -hmm. And I was so, I was so floored by that phone call. I said, do you know who you're speaking with? <laughs> <laughs> That's 
hilarious. Which well, is probably it wasn't the best thing to say. And yeah. He said, well, this but... is David Steele, right? And I said, <laughs> yeah. And I, he said, you attend the University of Texas at Arlington, right? <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I ended up uh, I ended up with my uh, with my first transfer and and pay raise before I ever started working uh, oh, for Shell. Yeah. And so, so I went to work in research and I worked in uh, Shell's uh, uh, sequence stratigraphy mm -hmm. uh, group. And sequence stratigraphy and Shell uh, meant something completely different than what was going on in Exxon and what the yep. industry knows today. At, as yeah, definitely. Uh, Shell was focused on um, lithology and fluid prediction. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that was their yeah. whole mindset. And that included everything from kind of uh, gross seismic geometries mm -hmm. uh, down to loop level seismic attributes. Yep. So, what, I mean, it was just uh, a, a fantastic um, place to be for, for a new hire mm -hmm. because uh, just I was exposed to so many fundamentals. Yeah. And uh, of, of geophysics that I, it would have taken a long time, I think, to develop um, uh, in the division. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, that was a good assignment. Uh, and then after that, um, deep water was just kind of um, taking off on the forefront of, okay. of exploration. Yeah. And uh, I was still in research, but I was working with the guys in New Orleans and on, um, on, predicting deep water reservoirs, uh -huh. seismic attributes, kind of uh, mapping, mapping out the, uh, the canyon systems and the delivery systems from the shelf to deep water, looking at the corridors, yeah. uh, how deep water reservoirs were uh, uh, interacting with the salt. I, it, was a, it was a fantastic time. Mm -hmm. uh, so my typical uh, work week was, or my typical week was to um, uh, go down to Hobby uh, Hobby Airport at five in the morning, catch mm -hmm. the uh, catch the early morning flight to New Orleans, work sure. there uh, through the week, and then fly back to Houston uh, Friday night. Okay. Yep. And uh, that was a uh, really exciting. Um, uh, uh, work, but it was very just hard on everything else. Yeah. So, so after uh, after that, I I, uh, I left research and I was transferred to uh, to onshore exploration. Worked the Wilcox uh, for oh about two years, and then uh, I was uh, transferred to a shell company called Pecton. Mm -hmm. And Pecton was, uh, was a very interesting company. It was a wholly owned subsidiary of uh, Shell Oil, okay. not Royal Dutch Shell. So it had all Shell Oil U.S. management. Okay. And uh, there was kind of a, um, a, a spirit of animosity and competition sure. between Pecton and, and Royal Dutch Shell. Not that they were really competitors. It just, it just different ideologies, maybe. Yeah, and I, I would call Pecton as as a small company uh, with with kind of major company resources. 
Sure. And and it was it was a it was a right stuff kind of company. Pecton opened up a uh, a production office every year they were in existence. Okay. Wow. And uh, it was a small company with senior staff, a very flat organization, and mm-hmm. and then it had a had kind of a, a a small group of underlings like me. <laughs> but it, it was it was uh, it was mostly uh, mostly senior people. And uh, when you worked on a project, uh, your team was uh, completely integrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a, it had an economist. It had a basin modeler. It had remote sensing. Uh, it had petrophysics. It had facilities engineers. It had everything you needed to make a decision. Sure, that sounds amazing. You never had to go outside your team for resources. Mm-hmm. I, and uh, uh, when your team was uh, was done with the project, you reported out to the vice president. Mm-hmm. So you had the chief geologist, the chief geophysicist, uh, the vice president, and they would make the decision. Wow. That's and you would sit around the room. I mean, the senior guys would do their thing. And then your turn came up and you had yep. your say mm-hmm. and everybody had their say. And at the end of the meeting, there was a decision. Sure. Wow. So it, it was, uh, it was a, an extremely successful uh, mix of people. And, mm-hmm. and they found a lot of oil and gas. Yeah. So a- after, uh, after Pecton, um, I went to work for, uh, Shell had changed a lot and I worked, went to work for Shell International. Yeah. And uh, pretty much full-time uh, deep water projects around the world. And that was kind of the, it was the heyday of, of deep water. Mm-hmm. And so we, we just went from one basin to the next and um, uh, we were successful in some and not successful in others, but it was, uh, it was an extremely uh, exciting time. I think in terms of probably the, the biggest commercial success we had, we're in the uh, early deep water Nigeria bid rounds. Yeah, I remember learning about some of the geology in one of your training courses yeah. over in the Netherlands. Yeah, it was amazing. yeah, and we cert- and that was one basin where we uh, we certainly found uh, more than our share. And, yeah, uh, and that was an that was another right stuff team. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a completely integrated team. The management was right. The skill mm-hmm. mix was right, and, uh, and it was a fantastic experience. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were doing Shell International, were you based out of Houston? You've been based out of Houston pretty much for your whole career, correct? Yeah, it was, uh, I'm one of the the few people that work international projects and always stayed in Houston. Okay. Even though I I got to travel all over the world Mm -hmm. and work with just teams from all over the world. And it was just very uh, very unique circumstance. Yeah, yeah, that sounds amazing. And um, well, the last project that you worked on, that was the um, Mexico or was that Nova Scotia? Yeah, I worked, uh, worked a, a series of basins in, uh, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we got, I think we got seismic 
coverage in one and uh, I had the wrong concept and that didn't it didn't work out. Oh, that's and, right. and it was definitely my bet. Thanks. Thanks for bringing that up, Rochelle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't remember which basin it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, as geologists, we do make mistakes and we all do. Some of us are just more likely to admit it than others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I won't even say it was uh, it was all a mistake. I think that uh, those basins are still going to have their day. Yeah, I think they will too. Yep. No, it's good. Um, so let's see here. In terms of the market, just completely switching gears, do you see any um, new trends or developments in your field or if you were still in the field, not retired post COVID, I mean, how is your view of everything that's gone on this last year uh, compared to maybe when you were in, what do you think? Well, when I was in it, I worked, I worked uh, 33 years uh, for Shell. We had uh, 14 cycles of downturns. Yeah, dang. So what's what's been unique about uh, this this last cycle is uh, how how long it's been. Sure. But but you know the 1980s were a giant downturn. Mm -hmm. I mean that was yeah. ten year ten years of bad. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, um, so what we're going through now, you know, it, it's 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 nothing new. It's it, it's part of the game. But so I'm still optimistic mm -hmm. okay. because I, I just see it as, as another uh, cycle that I think we're almost done with. Okay. Yeah. That's what's, I think what a lot of people are wondering is if it's going to go back or if it's more going to change and maybe the renewables and mining and maybe like carbon capture, something else will kind of dominate um, the industry. So well, it's definitely going to change. I think if, if we put our, our long-term hats on, uh, mm. society is going to demand that we move from fossil fuels. Sure. Yeah. To, uh, to low carbon fuels, low carbon mm. emissions. And, uh, but that's, when you look at the timing of that and the cost of that, that's, that's 30 to 40 years out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and when you look at the, the world's uh, proven reserves, that's maybe 40 to 50 years out. Sure. All right. So th there's no way as a society we can, we can pay for the move to um, low carbon emissions without a robust oil and gas um, uh, infrastructure and production system to fund it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the en energy companies that are going to be uh, making the large uh, capital investments uh, for solar, for wind, for all the alternatives. And mm -hmm. their money comes from conventional hydrocarbons. Yeah. So, so I see, you know, there's, there's 30 years of work out there mm -hmm. that are going to be solely dependent on, uh, on conventional hydrocarbons. And I don't think any responsible um, oil company is, is just going to pump down their reserves to pay yeah. for, to pay for unconventionals. Sure. Yeah. So, 
The, and the other aspect of, uh, of the future is that we know that when you use the same, the, the same tools, um, mm -hmm. you progressively are less and less successful. Yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. Just because of creaming. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, the present tools are pretty good. So the future tools are, are going to have to be that much better. Yeah. To find the remaining that we're going to need to fund for the change. Sure. So, uh, and that's going to, that hits all aspects of geology and geophysics mm -hmm. and, and tech. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I think it's, it's still going to be a very robust industry. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. I think there's going to be um, high technology and a lot of different types of opportunity instead of it being really heavy in one thing. It seems like it's going to be very diverse going forward. Um, okay, so you kind of have already answered this about your dream job or role. What would you say out of all your assignments was your favorite? And did you even have a favorite assignment or a favorite job along the yeah. way? No, I think that's a really good question. I, I think it's always important that you have a, a, a sense of purpose yeah. in what you're doing. I agree. Uh, that's just part of being fulfilled as a person. Yeah. And, and I would say that uh, every job I was doing while I was working in Shell uh, was my favorite job. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really did enjoy all of them and, uh, the, and the people I, I worked with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I mentioned I mentioned the Nigeria bid round. That was that was a very satisfying thing, just because uh, because it was part of being on on a team that had all the right stuff and working with the right people. That was extremely yep. satisfying. Mm -hmm. uh, when I when I started uh, leading basin studies and uh, team leader for basin studies, and then having my own my own teams to do basin studies. That was that was another uh, right stuff experience. Yeah, working with people that had true genius. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you're working with when you're working with geniuses who um, kind of have this incredible capacity for innovation, mm -hmm. you don't get in their way, you just yeah. you just kind of you try to put a bubble around them and, and yeah. let them do their thing. Yep. And they come and uh, and you challenge them and and the uh, and the job at hand is always challenging enough. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so we we just saw people doing fantastic things, and I think um, I think those teams uh, always always did more than what. Um, they, they could have imagined achieving by themselves. Mm -hmm. So, so that, was, that was an extremely uh, satisfying thing to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's like when you hit that Goldilocks effect with every, the people, the personalities and the management and the resources and everything, like amazing things happen. And it's just, it's, it's an incredible experience. I know for me, that's one thing I've always loved about what we do as geologists is finding yeah. that. Yeah. 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 So, so that now that I'm retired, now ahead. that I'm retired, I, uh, you know, there, there's still the sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and I think some people have a really hard time finding that in retirement because, because yeah. what they were good at 
and kind of what they um, um, got their got their daily kicks out of it is gone. Mm-hmm. So I mean, some people have a very hard time retiring. I, I love retirement, (laughs) but uh, so what do you, what are you working on right now? (laughs) Any good projects? (laughs) Right now I'm, I'm doing uh, my wife's honeydew list and I'm painting the inside of the house, (laughs) Uh, but you know, we, um, I think it's really important to have the sense of purpose and, uh, Part of that comes from, most of that in retirement comes from uh, relationships. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you, you visit, you visit past, uh, past relationships and you connect with old friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, family is, is certainly central to that. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and it's also, what, what can you give back to the community? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and that's, that, that's what I find uh, uh, takes a big part of our retirement. Mm-hmm. It, it's not all altruistic, though. I mean, I, I, I pick up a new hobby about every couple of months. Mm-hmm. I've tried uh, uh, occasionally. I, I do bicycling still. Oh, good. Um, good. I've, I, I tried my hand at making wooden clocks. Mm-hmm. So I was a clock maker for a while. I got one to run uh, five days. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and uh, and then it stopped. And I and I took it apart and I I just I, I rebuilt it um, at least six times and uh-huh. and I just could never get it to run again. <laughs> so uh, so that was the end of my clock clock making experience. Although I still have two in the works that uh, that I'm working on. Yeah. And. Um, uh, I've been a, an adult Sunday school teacher for, for a number of years and uh, retirement kind of gave me an opportunity to put together uh, lessons and, sure. uh, and I got my first, my first book published oh, through, uh, through Concordia Publishing House. And that yeah. was, that was a Bible study that, uh, uh-huh. that I was happy to do. And since then, uh, there's been six more of those to follow. Oh, I didn't. Re- I knew you'd done the first one. I didn't. Re- wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm working with my son. Actually, I just kind of gave the project to my son and said, I need a website to put these on so people mm-hmm. can download them for free. Yep. And so the uh, so the next six are going to be uh, free downloads. Okay. So there's there's been uh, there's been that that aspect. Uh, but also volunteering was is was a big part of retirement yeah. and uh, and covid this whole covid thing has really um kind of put an end to that mm. so I, i'm very much looking uh looking forward to getting my uh my vaccinations so my wife That's... and i can do meals on wheels again oh, okay so, so that was that was fun yeah i know i it's it i feel like we're the beginning of the end is here, so it's good that it, it. I that's the way I feel too. Yeah, it's a little bit of light and hope, and hopefully the next year will be a year from now. We'll be in a completely different spot. <laughs> I hope. I hope by the middle of next year we'll be in a completely different spot. Yeah, so, me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for um, letting me talk to you or interview you today, Dave. It's been a pleasure. 
Uh, thank you all so much for tuning into EGOs and uh, we'll see you back here soon. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Rochelle. All the best. Yep. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>